In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes can cost far more than dollars, one oil and gas sales expert, one HSE professional, and the greatest PPE provider on the planet must come together. Two men, one brand, one mission. Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE podcast with Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister starts now. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, and this show is for everybody who has an interest in HSE in the oil and gas industry. Brought to you by Red Wing, the leaders in PPE, ensuring your people go home safe every day. And this is episode 15. Joining me today is my spellbinding co-host, Patrick Pister. How are you doing today, Patrick? Yeah, very well, Mark. How are you? Awesome. And we have some guests. We have uh, Justin, is it Hoffman? That's right. Yeah. And Nick Mayer? Yes. Yeah. And y'all with ATEC. That's correct, yes. Yeah. The funny story is, Justin, how do we meet you and I? It was, I got roped into a, a, a luncheon uh, to give a five, 10 minute introduction about uh, overview of the company. And uh, off the back of that, you pull me to one side and, uh, and it's, we're sitting here. Yeah. So I'm at this luncheon and this guy gets up and starts talking about safety. And it's like, oh my God, I have an HSD podcast. We got to get them on the podcast. And if Mark wants to talk to you, he will talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Justin, um, who is ATEC? What do y'all do? The, the, I think the, the driving factor for everything that ATEC does is safety. Uh, the, ultimately, the, the safety for the guys who are operating and maintaining equipment in potential explosive environments. And so a little background, um, you don't sound like you're from Texas. Not originally, no. Uh, a little further east than uh, Louisiana <laughs> as well. No, I started my career back in Aberdeen. That's where I was born and raised. Uh, but oil and gas-wise, I've, sp- I've split time between uh, Scotland and Norway, uh, outside of London and Singapore for a number of years before I came to the U.S. Uh, around about, when would that be? 2003. And uh, been with, uh, with the ATEC crew for probably the last 10 years or so uh, in some capacity, uh, always oil and gas related and more and more into the EX side. Yeah, Aberdeen is, the first time I went to Aberdeen, it, it looked fake. The grass is so green and you have the sheep and they're so, and it's just <laughs> beautiful. If, if any of our listeners never been, you have to go at least once. Now, the problem with poor Aberdeen is it's, it's oil and gas, its economy is totally oil and gas centric. Absolutely. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, so they're suffering a little bit over there. So anybody listening over at Aberdeen, keep everything moving. I'm telling you, the price of crude's creeping back up. Things will get better. So Nick, where are you from? Uh, Aberdeen. Yes, I didn't think you sound like you were from Texas either. <laughs> so what's your story? I came over here 21 years ago, um, been involved with uh, the safety industry for many, many years. And I moved over 21 years ago and uh, been with this group um, all that time. So we've been uh, changing the industry as we've been uh, moving forward, uh, trying to get our message out there. Yeah, and, and you're actually uh, uh, involved in a lot of you know, training. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, our training school opened in 2008. Uh, it's called the ATEC Training Academy, um, and it's been facilitated here in Houston since then. We've moved two months ago. We moved up to the Eaton Experience Center up on the Beltway here. The predominant reason for that, it's a 55,000 square foot training experience center. And so the experience that the candidates get um, is just state-of-the-art. It's probably one of the best training schools in the world. And what kind of training do you all specialize in? We specialize in competency assessments for electrical technicians, uh, mechanical technicians, engineers. Everything we do is for the HASLOC environment. So we, we test people's competency levels. 
And it's, uh, I'll, I'll say in addition to technicians, uh, the, the audiences uh, or attendees is rich and varied. Mm -hmm. uh, we see guys from the operators, uh, the contractors, the uh, systems integrators, you know, accommodation uh, fabricators, all the way to you know, like the contractors, inspectors, maintenance individuals, and whether that be uh, offshore or, or onshore. I will say prior to forming alliance with Eaton, uh, I would have said we're very upstream focused, but with uh, again, with working with the guys at Eaton, they're very mid and downstream. So we're very pleased that we can continue to extend that uh, our message uh, to those groups as well. And what kind of experience levels do you have the guys coming in? Are these, are these technicians that are right out of trade school or are these experienced electricians and mechanics? Across the board. Across the board. Yeah, guys who are coming in green who, who can uh, barely spell ATEX or <laughs> Compex uh, all the way up to guys who have been doing it for you. That's because they can't understand it when you say yeah, it. That could be it. Yeah, so um, let's go a little bit deeper because a lot of our audience may not know exactly what, you, what your core business is. We're talking about training. We're talking about competencies around what? Around uh, electrical equipment and potentially explosive environments. So y'all do hazardous area type of work, um, intrinsically safe. Dealing with all that kind of equipment, it starts, uh, fr it starts with the, the design uh, through engineering, selection of equipment, the installation, the maintenance, and then through inspection of the life of, of whatever asset it may be. So we've, uh, whether it be the courses we provide or the services to help select the right equipment, uh, or provide the right uh, inspectors to 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 uh, visit these assets, uh, and indeed getting in nowadays we're we're even getting into the NDT verification services. So, so get, let me stop you right there in case yeah. somebody doesn't know what NDT means. Uh, Non-destructive testing. Okay. So that we can get into corrosion analysis, uh, inspection of rigs, uh, rope access, drops, all manner. So it's uh, all encompassing. Yeah. And so um, if you think about that type of environment, if you do something wrong, if you have a spark someplace where you're not having a spark, it's, it's a catastrophe. Without question. Uh, yeah. And so it's um, the thing that I've seen a lot of times is um, companies will have a spec that they will follow to make sure everything's certified and their people are safe. But then somebody that doesn't understand what's going on will come in and say maybe run a different circuit, right? And so they overload that intrinsically safe box without understanding it. Without question. I mean, I've, I've been on sites and seen those boxes wide open, you know, a, a big explosion-proof box or a NEMA 7 box, uh, wide open with a layer of dust inside in these potential explosive environments. So it's, it's uh, the, the, the need for this competency and understanding is needed. <laughs> yeah. And so, so uh, Nick, it's um, that type of training that y'all provide it applies to the guys in the field that are doing the work, but doesn't it apply to everybody in some form or fashion in that company? It's touching uh, these components that are going to go offshore on a, a, a petrochemical plant or whatever? Absolutely. We have a what we call a route to competency program. It starts off with fundamentals. We teach fundamentals or foundation training to purchasing all the way through, just the whole cycle of people all the way through. People that are buying product, um, are required also by certain standards. They should know what they're purchasing and why they're purchasing it and the reason they're purchasing it. That's, so, a, good, that's a good point because supply chain may not know exactly what the end usage, but they, they were told they need to get it, so they go and get it. That's what happens. They go, well, I don't know what I'm needing. It's just it's got to meet this. They're supposed to understand what they're purchasing. So we have a what we call a route to competency program where we start at, at fundamentals, then we do foundation, and then we move through the process to do the hands-on experience training, all the way through to uh, electrical 
engineers doing application design courses also. And what kind of training standard do y'all do y'all shoot for? I mean, we talked about the this this complex. Can you talk a little bit about what that is, where it came from, and why that's a standard that that's in the industry? Sure. Um, when Piper Alpha exploded in the North Sea, the health and safety executive recruited a guy called Lord Cullen who did a two-year report on the Piper Alpha disaster. 167 people lost their lives. I think at that point, from certainly from my point of view, that's when everything started to truly change in the industry and safety truly became not just a, a word, it became became very, very important. And after the, the report came out, there was over 130 recommendations for better and safe practice. Um, from there, the new scheme was born called COMPEX. Uh, COMP meaning competency. And what basically it was, was to to test people's competency levels that are already working within a hazardous area environment. Because it's okay to work in a hazardous area environment, but how do you know what competency levels they have? They're supposed to know what they're doing. So this new scheme is an international scheme trained over, I think, over 70,000 people so far. It is not a mandatory requirement, but it's certainly industry best practice. So most of the operators, drilling companies, follow it. What's, what's additionally exciting for us is that um, Compex has traditionally been down the, the IEC route, so, the inter- so to the international standards. Let me back you up, yep. in case people don't know who IEC is. The International Electromechanical Committee. Perfect. And so the Compex scheme has been geared towards more uh, of the international standards. We saw the, the need, and uh, along with Eaton, we've put together this the NEC, or the North American Electrical Codes, uh, the 500 and the 505, Compex scheme. Uh, so we, we wrote the course, we got it certified by the accredited body back in the UK, and that's going to be a, a huge game changer for us uh, here, and I think for, for the industry here. Yeah, and you, know, you brought up a good point. There's different standards in different parts of the world. So Absolutely. if you're building a skid package and it's going in the Gulf of Mexico, those standards, aren't they different than what's going to Norway or to Singapore or to Brazil? Without question. And then you've got individual countries' uh, nuances to that as well. You know, you go into, into Russia, you've got the what used to be called GOST standards. Uh, you go into Europe, then there's the ATEX standards, uh, and uh, obviously in Brazil you mentioned in Metro. So there's a little, uh, and Australia is another one, with, although they have adhere to the IECEX scheme, they have their own Australian and New Zealand standards that they adhere to. So it makes, uh, and that, that can cause a lot of trouble for companies who may understand a, a protection method, but then when you get into individual wiring practices, uh, that's again where we are, are able to offer some assistance, uh, not just from a training perspective, but also help them verify or, and consult with them on how best to meet those requirements. So not only do y'all understand the different standards around the world, um, and not only can you help train the company's people to make sure they're safe and they can meet those standards, but you actually can go out and inspect the work they did, right, and make sure it's it's all kosher? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what part of the process are y'all brought in? If, if you've got a rig working in, let's say, Australia, and it's going to another region with different standards, at what point are y'all normally brought in to make sure, one, the, the people are trained to what they need to be, and two, that the equipment's also going to meet that standard? Is it is it an afterthought, or is it something that companies are seeing all right, we know in six months this rig's going to move, so let's get some guys in here and make sure we're, we're up to code. Yeah, it it's, uh, varies uh, from culture to culture within the, uh, within the companies. But uh, you know, we can get brought in, maybe part of their standard training program. So uh, anytime their E&I guys come offshore and need to get that refresher course, they'll, they'll come through us for the inspections. And it, we'll always, we're always talking to the companies. Uh, right now there's a lot going on with the reactivation of, of rigs or the potential reactivation. So it's getting involved and figuring out what's needed to 
to get these, these maybe older assets up to and in line with the latest standards. Um, so yeah, the, the, the conversation could start in many different places and, and ultimately get us, get us in there and helping companies meet the standards. Uh, Nick, it's, um, we were talking about this and, and it just occurred to me, even management really should be trained in some form or fashion because they're managing, they're leading these people that are actually out in the field. Absolutely. We spend a lot of time talking with HSE quality assurance managers also, um, making sure that the technical authorities ensuring that we try and get the, the training, the technical training onto the training matrix. And we do a lot. We work with many companies and discuss the training matrix with them to get them through this route to competency program that we provide. Yeah, and, and we were talking about this at lunch earlier, but now with technology, y'all offer a lot of this stuff. Employees don't actually have to go anywhere, right? Yeah, we do have uh, online. Well, we can actually bring a trainer to their facilities for a lot of the uh, theory-based or introductory courses. But uh, when it comes to really assessing uh, the competency, especially from an installation and maintenance standpoint, you've got to be in the uh, in the centers. Right, uh, right. And so we, we actually talked about that at lunch, too. The thing that's cool about y'all's training center is it's actually full of the real equipment. Oh, yeah. So you can go to any number of the compact centers around the world, and there's only what, two or three here in, in, uh, in North America. But wh- where we've set it apart, these, these uh, compact uh, bays, you'll see commonality, whichever center you go to. When you go up to the Eaton Experience Center and you turn around, suddenly you're in a petrochemical plant. You've got all that gear right there. You look down the end of the hall and there's, there's a, uh, a rig. You round the corner, there's a nodding donkey. It's, uh, it's, it's really quite fantastic to be around. Yeah, and what a great way to train somebody because we were talking about this earlier. You can read it, you can see it, but when you actually touch the equipment and do it, that's how you actually really learn. Without question, yeah. And so I'm guessing that a lot of your testing is around people going through this real equipment in your center and actually finding mistakes or faults. Absolutely. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, we ran a course. There was about 19 people on that course. And they went through the the standard curriculum they have to. And at the end of that, we actually added on an inspection part um, in the refinery, in the drilling rig area. So our principal trainer had gone in the day before and he'd set up these faults all over the refinery all of the drilling rig area and the land rig area. And it was actually interesting when we got the, you know, the customer appreciation forms back at the end, critiquing the course. Everyone said that the best part of the course was actually the inspection part. Yeah. Because it's okay to see it on paper. It's okay for an engineer or a designer to, to do it on paper, but only, only when they actually see it physically and touch it and start learning the faults there was a fault there, for example, about the, obviously the flame path on an enclosure. And if they paint round the flame path, then obviously there's no flame path. And that was one of the faults. And it was quite interesting to watch the people see it, realize it, the, the people that hadn't, and hadn't seen that. And then when we start and went through all the faults and discussed it, it was interesting watching everyone's reaction. So the inspection part up at the Eaton Experience Center is is a really great part of the course curriculum. There was actually another uh, company were putting together a training program for up to sixty of their guys in West Africa, and they're gonna we're gonna over the course of the two weeks we're investigating, taking 10, 12 guys at a time, two day course, and then at the end of it they want us to walk around part of their asset and point out all the hopefully not all the problems, but <laughs> right. uh, identify the equipment that they've just been learning all about. So it's, uh, again, it's, it's adding that practical element. You know, one of the big problems also is the great crew train change. Right. That's a big problem with the, uh, we, we, we try heavily to be involved in the community to uh, get the youth 
involved and through there we're working right now with the community college to put hazardous area training through there so once their guys come through the electrical side of it we are going to offer the Hazlock hazardous area training that's if as that goes through that will be the first time in the United States that a community college has actually put people through a hazardous area type training and for us that's that's part of our commitment to the community to try and get the youth involved. We also have another program called BEST, which we call Basic Essential Skills Training. That's how to read electrical drawings, how to read mechanical drawings, basic electrical skills. And again, that's a program that we've introduced, started to introduce over the last six months or so that we'll be, develop, uh, we'll be running up at Eton also. But again, that's to try and take this youth and get them involved because the older generation are either retired or they've been laid off in this in this industry. So one of our big commitments from our company is to try and, and get the youth and get them involved and get them through the process. And that's yeah. one way of us doing it. And certainly from my experience, speaking to some of the younger engineers at the engineering f- uh, firms around town and, and, and operators and such is the enthusiasm that they have, you know, no longer are they just, uh, there, is there a mentality of, well, that's, that's the way it's always been. Uh, they're w- w- really keen and interested in, in learning new things and taking a look at new products or, or applications or design methods. So it's, it's, uh, it's renewed our, uh, our vigor <laughs> to continue to, to push safety. And it's also funny, earlier today, when you were talking about, you know, social media, apps, again, that's a huge problem moving forward. Because the youth of today, if it's not on your iPhone or your tablet, the problem is that they're not they're not touching the they're not touching the product, and that's part of the problem, isn't it? Yeah, they don't have the, the practical experience, and that yeah. again ties back in with the, the the methodology behind the complex courses. Well, that's great at, at HCC. I mean, most universities, it's it's all theory based. You get very little practical application, Absolutely. but when you're sent to the job site. Now you're hands-on oh, for yeah. the first time, but getting in there as they're learning theory to show them the practical use of that theory is, is that'll put them light years ahead. Yes. Yeah, and the other thing is you're having this big drain of knowledge. So we talked about the senior yeah. guys taking packages or being laid off. They're not coming back, no. right? And so that guy that's been doing it for 15, 20, 25, 30, 35 years has a lot of stuff he may not even be consciously aware of that keeps him and his crew safe, right? Yeah. The new guy coming on board doesn't have that experience. And so they need to be trained properly because they're not going to have the senior guy overlooking them. Exactly. Um, it's, it's been interesting to watch this downturn in the, in the recycling of what's going on. The price of crude starting to creep back up. The f- business is fundamentally changing. But uh, safety is still the prime metric in this industry. And what's interesting, and I've said this before on the show, but we have did some work for one of our past clients. And I know for a fact that everybody in the oil and gas industry – sincerely in their hearts wants their people to go home safe every day right and y'all are in the middle of making sure that happens that's yeah. a great place for y'all to be yeah, we uh you know every now and again you need to kind of uh, i guess shock those around you when you start talking about uh, ex and the need for ex safety and, and bringing in third-party inspectors as supposed to you know monitoring your own workload the, the statistic we always like to throw out there is that uh, the typical fail rate of electrical equipment in hazardous areas on new builds say so FPSO coming out of a, of a yard, is 40%. That's crazy. Wow. 40. Now, it could be something small. could be a missing tag. could be the glands not being off right, but that's still a staggering amount. So with whether it be selecting equipment, helping people understand how to design a system, engineer it, install, inspect and tame, it's all what we're trying to do is mitigate the potential points at which failure will occur and result in you know that explode, that spark 
or that heat rise that ignites the dust or the gas or the filaments and flyings around them. Yeah, and I, I think with safety, a lot of people will immediately start to think of personal safety. I need to do what I need to do to keep myself or you safe so you don't fall or trip or break an ankle or, yeah. or, or crush yourself. But when you're talking about drillers and electricians, you know, add, add gas to an electrical spark. Now you've endangered an entire a rig, an FPSO, a, a remote work site. Your, your safety, your competency with this type of equipment, you're responsible for the lives of everybody on that location, not just your own. Quite potentially, yes. Now, you, know, you maybe talk about some, some uh, land rig out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, there'll be a finite number of, of individuals around. But, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, any life is a, is a precious one out there. And kind of double, I just I, what I wanted to add when you mentioned Piper Alpha and its impact in industry. We're both from Aberdeen, Scotland. My, the the, the uh, Piper Alpha Memorial Gardens are, are like two miles from my parents' home. I remember where I was when I heard about that and the silence around the room. Uh, so it says it's a it's a very personal for for anyone from the region. It's pretty heavy. I don't know how you think to follow up on that. That's, I mean. Uh, it was, it was a major disaster, and, and you yes. being in the oil field, you that's one of the first things I heard about in in my training. You know, yeah. I, in, in university, I didn't hear anything about it, but as soon as I got in the oil field, uh, you know, you watch the training video at least once a year to because yeah. the industry does take it very seriously, and incidents like that they never go away. They never become funny or or less important. It's Absolutely it's not. always a, a very serious topic. So let's uh, change the mood a little bit. <laughs> Sorry um, about that. No, it's okay. No, no, because that's that's real. Um, it's yeah. um, you know, I I tear up every time I think of what happened out there. But let's change the mood. So when you're looking at doing this type of work in oil and gas, you have to be global, right? Because the industry's oh, global. Yeah. So y'all have a global footprint. Without question, yeah. We've um, our two main hubs are here and in Singapore for um, for facilitating a lot of activity, but. You could probably talk more about the, some of the other training facilities. Yeah, we have training facilities Houston, Singapore, Dubai, Myanmar, and Mumbai. And we have a pilot program in Australia right now. Yeah, so any company globally that needs your help, you have a location that can serve them. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, um, you know, we often talk about travel in this industry, and uh, we were just recorded a podcast the other day where we were talking about travel safety. W- when you're thinking about traveling, you you know, what you do also applies to the way people travel, right? So we're talking oil and gas, but there's also the need for this type of uh, protection in, you know, shipyards or in grain facilities or oh, any place there's a hazardous explosive environment. That, yes, yeah, absolutely right. Uh, we, we, we see it at the new, the, the greenfield stage, uh, and obviously through the brownfield. And, uh, and once the, the asset is, is, is on its uh, decommissioning phase, yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the future. You know, we have all these cold stack rigs out there that have to be brought back online, which is going to be right in your sweet spot. Do you see that as being a bigger potential for threats because these rigs were cold stack, which normally they're not cold stack, they're warm stack? I think a lot of the those that are cold stacked uh, probably won't be reactivated. I think there's, there's plenty of assets out there that should be... Uh, as I, as I heard, I referenced a term last night, it should be turned into razor blades. <laughs> um, but uh, no, there's, there's definitely potential there for this, these, uh, this equipment that hasn't been functioning uh, it's, uh, to, 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 to restart them, as you said. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll be engaged with companies to, to, to uh, do, a, whether it be a, a visual or a more detailed inspection, uh, identify whether it be equipment that's outdated or or uh, uh, structure, uh, rig structure or corrosion that needs to be uh, looked at. So yeah, we'll be involved across the board there. Yeah, I, um, I, I think you're right. I think a lot of them will be turned into razor blades. <laughs>
I think it's a good time for our Red Wing Safety Tip of the Week. And uh, Nick, Justin, one of y'all, do you, wanna, do you have a, a tip for our listening audience? Well, I would say uh, you got to establish a baseline of, of understanding amongst your team so that uh, when you're out there, uh, you're not just looking after yourself, but everyone around you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push Compex here. Get, uh, if you're in an electrical hazardous area, whether you be uh, selecting equipment, designing systems, installing or maintaining, get that baseline of understanding. Get, uh, get on a Compex course. Yeah, and you know, uh, to think about that, Nick, that let's talk a little bit about competencies and let's talk about baselines. So a lot of people don't understand, you're basically measuring people's skill sets and abilities, right? Correct, yes. Yeah, and then once you measure that, you then can figure out who needs what type of training and you develop the competencies. Yes. Yeah, yeah so uh, anybody that's listening out there, this is a very a scientific way to measure, prepare, and train your people so they are up to speed equally, which makes things safer for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, we're getting kind of close to starting to wind down the show. Don't um, forget our bag winner this week. You got to let us know who won that one. Absolutely. This week's winner is Alec Brooms with Baker Hughes. Hey, that's funny. Baker Hughes has an office right behind where we recorded this. Uh, so congratulations, Alex. Uh, you are this week's Red Wing Offshore Bag Winner of the Week. Absolutely. This thing is in hot demand. People are offering us. Is it too late to put my name in the house? <laughs> no, you, no. In fact, you can enter. It's, 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 uh, it's ridiculously simple, Justin. All you need to do is go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Put in your information. And we draw one lucky uh, winner a week. Um, in the this, show notes, we have a link in the show notes too. So if you don't remember that, just go there, click the button. It'll take you right to, right to the site uh, Mark just mentioned. Perfect. Yeah, and no purchase necessary. See official site for rules and details. But this bag is really, really cool. I, I actually had to use it last night. Our AC's out, so we stayed at a friend's house, and it was a, it was a perfect one-night trip. <laughs> so, once again, bag's awesome. Go enter to win. You'll be glad you did. Patrick, let's talk a little bit about the LinkedIn group. The LinkedIn group, the Oil & Gas Global Network. It's a great community for anybody that works in and around the oil and gas industry. It's moderated, so you're not going to get a lot of spam. Uh, you can share thoughts, ideas, ask questions, get contacts. Uh, join the group. You'll find out about special features that we're going to have, events, um, upcoming shows. Uh, it's just got everything you need if you're in the oil and gas industry. Yep. If you're in the oil and gas industry, just join. You, you need to. Um, one of the things we forgot to mention, um, if people want to find out more about ATEC, Justin, where should they go? Uh, best place to go would be www.atechcertification.com. Yeah. And we'll put a link in the show notes so people can just click on it. Reviews, Patrick, we need some more reviews. We don't have enough of them yet. We need some more five-star reviews. We need some more. (laughs) Yeah. So if you're listening to the show, please do us a favor. We're trying to grow the show. And one of the easiest ways you can help us grow the show is by leaving us a review. Also, when people are looking for good shows, they commonly look at see the reviews. So you're actually helping your fellow people in the oil and gas industry realize that this show is worth listening to by leaving us a review because they'll see all the five stars. Because it is worth listening to. It is darn well (laughs) worth listening to. The other thing is, if you like the show, can you do me a favor and share, you know, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, email, anybody that you know that would benefit from listening to the show, share it with us to help us grow. And that's about it. Patrick, you ready to get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. All right, folks, don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. Y'all be safe out there. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Red Wings Oil and Gas HSC Podcast, a production of the Global Oil and Gas Network. Learn more from Mark LaCour at modalpoint.com. Connect with Patrick Pister at leanoilfield.com. From Houston to London to Dubai and beyond.
was down in Mexico, down in a place called Quetzalcoatlcos, which is, was at the time popular for two things. One, it had the most polluted river in the world, uh, and two, Salma Hayek is from there. Anyway, so I was on a PMEX asset, a facility, and uh, I had uh, in completely inappropriately dressed. I had dress pants, shirt, and of course I had the requisite PPE on top of that, boiler suit, all the rest. Uh, so they walked me out, blistering heat of the summer, and we walk up 16 flights to the top of an ethylene cracker to, uh, to check out this actuator. 